What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Rugby Swag, the show where we talk about all things happening in rugby culture and how we impact it for opportunity. My name is Gift Gift Time at Baylor. We got an amazing show for you today. But first off, hit that intro. I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you or a pro to be a pro, right? And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played like professional. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And there's two Scottish guys and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. You looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. I am so happy to have you guys back. We got a great show for you guys today, uh, talking about Atlanta rebranding. Yo, we're talking about the tackle box. Yo, big things happening within the USA Rugby of nationals versus people who are playing domestic and so much more stuff. But before we get started, I need you guys to please go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel or please make sure you're following on any one of our streaming platforms. We're talking about iHeartMedia, uh, Apple, Google Play, Amazon Music, Spotify, doesn't matter, Anchor.fm. We want to make sure that you're following so that you're always able to keep up and know what is going on with anything that's happening uh, because we got a lot going through. And, of course, if you want to be able to message us or find out about things and update, you can follow us on Twitter at GiftTimeRugby. Uh, follow us on Instagram at RugbySwagShow. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Gift Time Rugby, and of course, follow us on TikTok at Gift Time Rugby. We're posting, breaking down uh, videos, and of course, allow you guys to be able to share and learn more and tell your friends, but mainly tell your friends, and of course, hit the like button, leave a comment, continue the conversation. We want a big shout out to everybody who's left com- comments on previous episodes. I enjoy the conversation so much. If you don't know, uh, we got some great insight from people. Uh, love it. Continue to do it. Uh, y'all are the best. And uh, let's get on to this show. Our first story of the day is coming straight out of MLR. It's USA Rugby News. And uh, this is a big one. I wasn't sure whether to start with this or not. But uh, once I started reading the Facebook comments, absolutely had to get started with it. And that is the rebranding of Rugby ATL. Now, I really didn't even think that much about it because honestly I'm not a big fan of Atlanta I'm from Louisiana uh, I'm a New Orleans fan I'm from Baton Rouge but a New Orleans fan and uh, New Orleans is a natural rival of Atlanta we're basically the same thing I consider Atlanta to be fake New Orleans but that's just me that being said I did not expect for a rebrand and I remember seeing it and I didn't think anything of it until I started looking at the comments And that's whenever it got for real. Like, that's when it got serious. Because everybody, everybody hated the rebrand. And basically what had happened is Rugby ATL changed up their logo. They went from the black, red, gray that they typically have had for the last, what, four years, three years, to a much more, uh, we can say, shirt-modern version which is a green and blue and pink it's kind of like rainbow color with the green um i i don't know exactly where they got the green from i think the rainbow colors to be more inclusive and then they kind of went with a stylized um a for atlanta and then established 2019 i'm obviously i'm gonna put the video uh if you guys want to take a look i'm gonna put the links inside the uh the description and then if you're looking at the video obviously you're seeing it but I mean, it was, it's a shirt logo, I mean, to say the least, but man, when you talk about the backlash that's gotten from it, it is massive. I don't think there was one comment that was a positive, and I think the basic premise that I took from this is, yo, this doesn't represent Atlanta, and why the heck did you not talk to us about it? And the president for... Uh, Atlanta uh, Rugby Atlanta, Amanda Winter, uh, basically wrote out a whole letter um, apologizing and basically saying, like, they needed to, they should have talked to the fans and uh, they want to just be more, 
you know, Atlanta, to say the least, I guess, whatever. Uh, and then they did a Facebook Live. I definitely did not watch a Facebook Live. I, I do not care about Rugby Atlanta that much. But, again, it doesn't seem like it went over very well. From my opinion, I'm not going to lie, the first thing that I saw was the video that they made. And the video I thought was great. Like, I think it's a great marketing video. It's very modern. It's very up-to-date. And, and, and for what it's worth, it was a good look. Overall, I don't know if people are going to really like my opinion on it, but, yo, I'm, I'm happy Atlanta did this. Like, this is, is a good move. Like, for what it's worth, it was a good move. I mean, everybody hates it. Don't get me wrong. And the colors are hideous. Uh, and, and I love someone made a great uh, comment that the rugby ATL colors are basically the same as the Chicago Hounds colors, as if there's like a trend of evergreen green that's happening and everybody just wants to kind of follow that like trend. I, I don't know why green is now the, the color to go with, but I, I, I like the fact that rugby ATL took a risk. I mean, again, it, not all risks have to work, but I'm glad they took a risk. You know, whenever they created the uh, uh, the video, shout out to Freddie Ajudwa, uh, who was on episode 24 for uh, Rugby Swag. Go check him out. Was one of the front uh, uh, models for for the Rugby ATL video. But I'm glad that somebody is trying to make rugby, you know, connect with its city. And... Again, not to say that it, it, it passed, but I saw what they were trying to do. Now, a lot of people within the rugby community who make up the core fans of uh, Rugby Atlanta hated it. Obviously, red and black has been the symbolic color of Atlanta for God knows how long. I mean, the Braves have those colors. Atlanta Falcons have those colors. I'm pretty sure their MLS team has those colors. So, Setting aside from the black and red or the gray and red, really the black and red that they have going on, I, I thought it's – because Georgia really is is a red state in all formats. <laughs> like, it's a red state. So in the need to have some kind of uh, positioning with that is – I think is, is always necessary. Um, but I, I, I think it's important that people in rugby are willing to take risks. Now – Here's another thing that I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on, and it's the amount of fan base input that is needed. I think in this situation, you probably could have at least surveyed a little bit more. You know, you got to do your market research with your base. I'm not saying that you have to go with what they say because I've seen already in rugby the number of times that fan base has made a decision, and and I, I'm not gonna lie. Like when they go with a fan base voted decision, I, I've hated the name, hated the result almost every single time. I think, uh, shout out, you know, Premier Rugby Sevens, great, and actually really good product, really great product in my opinion. But I hate every single one of their names, and every single one of the team names are fan based uh, created. I get including a fan base, but my God, sometimes. The people are not correct. Customers are not always right. But in this situation, they probably could have played around a little bit with it just because it's not so much that the logo itself needed to be maintained, but things like the colors and what they resonate, especially in a city like in a state like Georgia and a city like Atlanta, um, you have a lot of interactions that need to uh, elicit emotions and colors elicit emotions. So... I will say that they they pro they dropped the ball on that one, but in terms of like the entire rollout that they were going for, I can see where they're going. It was a little a little Calvin Kleiny for me, but they were trying to make a brand that is utilizable for casual wear as well. Like it, it's clearly they were trying to utilize it for casual wear, and Atlanta of all places is a hub of culture in the U.S. right now. It is not the hub of one set of culture. It is an urban hub, a pop hub, it is a media hub, an entertainment hub, like, it is a center for entertainment, so I get where they're going with it, but this is kind of an example, they might have outthought the room a little bit with it, and 
You know, I, I, I do enjoy Atlanta being embarrassed. Like, it is a, it is a specific pleasure of mine for the city of, of Atlanta to be embarrassed a lot, a lot. Fake New Orleans. But in this situation, uh, uh, I always like at least people making the risk to push it forward. If I was Atlanta, if I'm Rugby Atlanta at this point, you guys have done everything you're supposed to do in terms of your digital, you've, you've, or you've tried to. You, you talk to the people. I would go back, mm, look at this within a year, because the other thing about it is everything that we hate up front typically is because it makes us uncomfortable. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that the fan base is wrong. I, I do think that there is a legitimate uh, issue that comes whenever you have such a heavy backlash. Uh, it, it can ripple effect. Uh, but it's it's a logo. It's If you play well on the field, you go. I don't think green is the greatest in the world and they're kind of soft colors in my opinion. But... You need to give it a year. Obviously, you got to give it a year. That you've bought merch. You clearly have done banners and signs and all these stuff to be able to push a marketing rollout plus the video. Have no doubt that you spent tens of thousands of dollars on this rollout with an intent to try and connect the city into the rest of uh, rest of the rugby community. And I am a hundred percent here for it. This is what I go for it from the ban- fan base side. Yo, wait it out. Like, if your team's winning, then go. If your team starts losing with these colors, now you have a real argument. But it, it, it just reminds me so much of what we would do whenever Facebook would change their layout. And whether people would complain and say that the layout was better previously to what it is now is to be determined. The key component is most people just got used to it. I mean, every layout changes uh, uh, every everything always has to have a change, and when it comes to rugby, you have to be willing to do things that make people uncomfortable. You gotta get uncomfortable with it. So, you know, I, I give credit to Atlanta for rugby ATL for for pulling that off and 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 failing to get the initial reaction. But we're not talking about trying to do things for the short term. You got to look down the line. Fan base wise, yo. You guys now have a way, reason to leverage wins out of ATL. So you can't have a year like you did uh, in, in 2021, 2022. 2023, you guys got to get to a championship. That's the only way these colors are going to stick. Like, you got to put it to your good luck charm. So uh, more power to you on that one. All right? More power to you on that one. Go Nola Gold. More power to you on that one. <laughs> oh, man. I love good controversy. I love good controversy. What can I say? (laughs) The HBCU Rugby Classic is right around the corner. March 31st to April 2nd at Howard University in beautiful Washington, D.C. We're bringing the best HBCUs, best high school teams out playing some of the best rugby. And, of course, it is a cultural event, so we're going to make sure to give you guys the best entertainment from step shows to music to some of the best bands that we have in the area. So, guys, I think you need to go ahead and get your tickets. Just run over to hbcurugbyclassic.com. Tickets available now starting at $25 for the weekend, $10 per day, and you guys can get a cacophony of great time and memories going through it. it. Definitely check us out. Stay tuned and, of course, jump onto our mailing list, hbcrugbyclassic.com slash newsletter, and get into the community so you can learn about the players, you can learn about what's going on on the day-to-day and what we have updating, any discounts, any prizes that are coming up, and, of course, announcements and updates. It's going to be the best. I can't say anything more about this. Morehouse, Prairie View, A&M, Howard University. Let's get it, baby. Let's go. And we want to thank our sponsors, ASTAT, Old Glory DC, Sheehy Auto Stores, Young Glory DC, and Citizen Sports. Thank you so much for supporting HBCUs and HBCU Rugby. For our next story of the day, hey, this one, another one that just rippled the rugby world wild, happening last week. It was the announcement for world, from World Rugby that... Starting in July of this year, 
So basically, right before the Rugby World Cup, right before the Rugby World Cup, we're lowering the tackle box. What? Oh, my God. No way. What does that mean? So basically what World Rugby is trying to do uh, is basically <laughs> avoid all the issues that the NFL has had. All right? They, they said, oh, man, we're starting to get a lot of news about concussions. We're starting to get a lot of people. We got suicides. We're starting to get everything that American football started to have. Uh, we need to jump on this fast. And so they made the abrupt decision, which just has to be kind of a quick turnaround, to be honest with you, is that they are now changing the rules globally that the tackle box is going to be moved from <laughs> at least the, the, the middle of the chest, bottom of the chest down to being from, what, the waist down, the stomach down, uh, which is it's a tough one. That's a tough one, but, you know, once again, this is one of those situations where I kind of understand where both sides are coming from. Again, this is news that was not received very well by the rugby community. A lot of people complaining about the difficulty, uh, possibilities of injuries to the face, from the knees, yada, 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 yada. But the reality of the situation is it's kind of a rule that feels like it's being more enforced than it is actually being something new. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the progression of how the, the speeding up the play uh, uh, ruling that World Rugby made, again, not too long ago. And to even speak to the point, clearly we're expecting to see more. Uh, Alan, uh, Gisp Alan uh, Gilpin, who's the CEO for World Rugby, said... In line with our six-point plan to make rugby the most progressive sport on player welfare, last year World Rugby opened discussions with unions about lowering the tackle height in the community game around the globe. At those meetings, unions were presented with findings from trials that have been taken place in France and South Africa, as well as initial data from rugby-specific studies using smart mouth guards. Uh, going on, he would say, discussions with the union have progressed and well and formal proposals to be applied around the world are expected to be present are uh, expected to be presented to our executive board in March. We welcome the RFU taking the, these proactive steps. Rugby will never stand still when it comes to player welfare and this is a prime example of the sport once again putting our words into action. So, as I said, it's it's trying to get ahead of problems that have already started to exist. It's changing the concept. Like, one of the annoying myths that we always talk about with rugby is that it's safer than uh, American football, which is utterly BS. It's, it's really not. It, it, the impacts are about the same. They just get presented differently. But in this lowering the tackle box from a financial standpoint, I get it. Yo, we... <laughs> There's not a great rugby players union that exists anywhere. Like, there's, there's not. So anybody who's trying to enforce um, medical expenses and, and trying to get people to pay out for post-play injuries, it's almost impossible. And you could say, well, they got free health care and stuff like that. But one, that's dependent on the country. And number two... It's going to be depending on how much of that did they get and how speedy and how well does it come along. Because I've learned time and time again, free health care isn't really free health care. It's discounted. It's, it's cheaper. Um, you know, it's not as egregious as it might be like in, in the U.S., but there's still a cost. And especially whenever you want top-end health care, it becomes even more costly as as things and when you have bigger injuries typically need more specialists and i feel like that's usually where your costs end up going into so this this makes sense from the standpoint of world rugby trying to get ahead and again we we've talked about it before world rugby is trying to be the ultimate rugby media uh, conglomerate in the world, so they have to do things to make it more advertiser friendly, so that they don't feel angry or backlash. Because you know they suck at making money, so they got to do what they got to do. That being said, that being said, the other side of it, as a player, this sucks. I mean, look, we already naturally know that you're supposed to get low. Yes, theoretically, we are supposed to get people by the waist, square up head on the outside leg and be able to pull down. 
unfortunately, life doesn't go that way, all right? Like, when you have some big guys, and I love, there was a video that was out of a uh, uh, rugby union player, one of the, I think it was in Super Rugby, where dude, it just crashes through, like, three people, like it's nothing, and they're low, and he's just getting as low as they are, and all his momentum is going at them. So, it's, <laughs> I think Mike Friday actually tweeted on that, he was like, yeah, uh, probably should go lower, huh? <laughs> like... This is, this is one of those things where, yeah, it's funny. It's uncomfortable. It, it sucks. And I know there's guys who are able to make really big hits right on the chest. Like, attempt to make the rap, but it's the chest hit. And, and make their tackles from there. And, you know, it's going to suck for them, especially for bigger guys who need to go down on lower players. My concern of this one is going to be where are they going to consider the head to be whenever a tackle is made in that box? Because... Uh, one of the most egregious fouls that I've always found is whenever a defender actually tries to get lower than uh, the attacker, the offensive player, and the offensive player just gets lower than them. And so the defender has no choice but to hit him either high or hit him near the head. And at that point, you're just like, you, you can't do much. Like, there's momentum. There's your center of gravity. You're trying to maintain position. Uh, and you want you're not trying to hurt the player you're just trying to make the tackle and a ref calling that as a yellow card or even worse as a red card when it's not intentional and you try to get low i think that one affects the game two it messes with how defenders want to go in we see this a little bit in the nfl where you have a moment of hesitation on exactly how you play on a player with the ball, and while it can make for maybe slightly better offense, it does take away a component of the game. So when you're doing that, I'm hoping that this tackle box rule is loosely enforced simply on the fact that you need to make sure, one, players have learned how to adjust to it, and when we're talking on a global scale, that's going to be tough. Two, like, also understand that there has to be uh, a little bit of a... Um, uh, you know, a flexible decision on that because not all leg players are going to go the same. Like, we're not trying to give advantages to any one set of people. So, I don't know. When it comes to this, I, 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 I'm, I'm in the middle of – I'm in the middle. I, I prefer to know – because I know for me I was a uh, – I'm really good at tackling from the bottom of the chest – to the top of the legs because I don't like I, – I sucked at ankle tackles. Like, I, I don't wrap up ankles unless you're just trying to drag somebody and I'm not waiting for my teammates to do it, especially in rugby whenever people are passing off quickly. Like, I go for the top because I love being able to wrap around the arms and at least working to try and prevent the pass from happening so the tackle would actually be meaningful. But knowing that this plagues in, it's, ah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, but I don't trust world rugby with it, but I'm hoping that again, the refs that are going to be enforcing this are going to be lenient to the adjustments that are made. And I'm interested to see how many people are able to take advantage of this during the rugby world cup this year, because that's going to be a slight, like I said, it's a slight adjustment. It's going to be the enforcing. And I want to see how much they decide to enforce the rules on this going into it. So we'll see. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on it. Let me know what you think. Talking about fandom making decisions on stuff, Premier Rugby Sevens just announced a brand new team that's going to be taking place in San Jose, California, uh, the Bay Area, I guess, to say the least. Um, and 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 the new name <laughs> this is why I don't believe fans need to always have all the decisions or, or or should be consulted on all things. The new name for the Premier Rugby Sevens team is going to be the Golden State Retrievers. Oh my god. I cannot tell you how much I hate this name. Um, like 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 these are these are social rugby names. Like these are social I've never Wanted to watch a team get disrespected more than I want to watch the Golden State Retrievers. Yeah. Oh, I get it. It's a cute name. It's a cute name. But, oh, my gosh, there is nothing about this that feels intimidating. Like, you guys better get, like, the best players. This is, like, the same thing with I said with rugby at ATL. Like, you guys changed up your colors, but you better win a championship because 
with colors that bad or the name this stupid, like, you, you need a change. But I know this is Premier Rugby Sevens. Honestly, all the names for the teams are stupid, in my opinion. Every single last one. They are all, like, the video game names that you put together whenever you're just, like, bored. Or is the ones that are on, like, the Capcom uh, uh, parody or what do you think? The bootleg Capcom versions of like sports games when they don't actually have the licensing rights. So like they utilize these names that are so generic or just are so jokey that you just can't take them with any real seriousness. But, you know, shout out Premier Rugby Sevens. I actually like them as the program. I think they've done a great job in connecting the Sevens players that are international with domestic level Sevens players. Uh, and it actually speaks a lot of volumes to where our talent levels are within the country. Uh, because we need to know, like, who isn't getting really selected on this? Or are they able to compete? Or is it just really like a real diversity in the, uh, not a diversity, a real uh, segmentation in the uh, abilities of players that are playing for the U.S. national side versus players that play for a club national side who have won national championships domestically or who have played for championship teams or even have played overseas and came back over. Uh, like it, it's, I love that that mixture is, and it makes everybody uh, much more accountable for their talents and their skills and understanding the levels that are there. I thought last year was a great uh, first season like it was great it was interesting it was exciting uh the movement it, it, it worked they did a really great job shout out to uh owen fennel and and the group like that but i freaking hate the names I, I i can't i'm not gonna hold that back the names are so bad they're so bad so you know shout out to san jose with their golden state retreat i want to punch i want to punch this name. like it makes me angry on the inside i'm sorry there's not much that i have to say with this yo they got a draft. Hey, they're doing – I think they've already been putting out um, – um, what do they call it? Combine camps, tryout camps. They had one in Austin not too long ago, uh, and they're doing another one in San Jose. I said Owen Fennell. I meant Owen Scannell. Um, Owen Scannell. Uh, my bad. Uh, but it's going to be – they're going to be playing at Pay Park, PayPal Park. Uh, they'll be hosting the 2023 Western Conference Finals Tournament. Uh, games start June 8th, June 17th. No. Yeah, games start uh, June 17th, and uh, championships August 5th. It's good fun, great, great setup. I'm, I love it. I think it's helped the, the sevens game. I think – I said this in uh, – episode way early i think it's one of the reasons perry baker did not retire from usa rugby like he well like it was rumored that he was going to after the uh, rugby world cup sevens uh last year i think premier sevens actually really helped significantly in that and i think we're seeing the 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 benefits of that now but yeah everything about premier rugby sevens i enjoy except for the names of the teams that's that's it. There's nothing more to say on this one. Commercial. <laughs> Before I let you guys get back to it, I want you guys to go check out RugbyOutletMall.com. Yo, this is the place where we are bringing in casual rugby wear. We're trying to set up the designs, make sure that we are giving you something to represent rugby. That's not just a jersey, and that's not just your kit. It is something that you and your friends and your mama and your kids and your parents and your best friend and your wife and your husband and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your they and just make sure that everybody is able to rock some rugby gear without having to necessarily be stuck to any one type of rugby gear. We want it for your day-to-day, -day, everyday life. I know that's redundant, but that's how beautiful we want it to be. You know, definitely check out our most recent update, our rugby swag show shirts. Uh, they're available now for purchase. You guys can get it. And for any first-time buyers, I'm talking to you. Yo, I'm giving you guys 20% off the first purchase. Take as many as you want, 20% off the first purchase. And of course, if you guys get on the newsletter, you guys are going to see more coupons and discounts that come along with that as well too. But 20% off, and all you guys need to use is coupon code 
Grow Rugby. That is G-R-E-A-U-X Rugby. Great quality gear. Definitely something for your presence, something to be able to give. Obviously, we just got past the year, so that means birthdays are coming out. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and you have so much more. No, hook your family. Hook your people up with what's right. Hook your people up with what's right. Go to RugbyOutletMall.com and enjoy out. And, of course, it helps support the show and our media endeavors. Let's get you back. This weekend, we had an amazing slate of games in New Zealand. Hamilton 7s went down, and, man... All I can say is I have never seen so much effort from the USA team like I've been seeing the last several uh, HSBC 7s tournaments. It's, I don't know what turned on. I don't know what changed. I don't know where the, the embarkment is. Maybe it's the embarrassment from Rugby seven, the rugby World Cup 7s. Maybe it's the talk of everything. I've talked about it multiple times. But the men's and women's teams are absolutely killing it. Absolutely killing. I've like it is the most interesting rugby that that I've seen played in the last five years. I, I do not think I've been more interested in watching the U.S. national team since 2017, when the women's absolutely were killer in the uh, Rugby World Cup that year. USA men and women finished third and second, respectively. Uh, USA men uh, beat France to finish third in uh, Hamilton Sevens. And USA women uh, beat everybody except for New Zealand to end up second in Hamilton Sevens. And honestly, like I, I said this before, for the women, New Zealand is the final boss. Like we have to slay this dragon at some point in time. And we got the talent. Like Nia Tapper asked Cap. Yo, kudos, by the way, you know, check her out. I believe that's episode two or three. Check her out for sure. Um, Cheddar Ember, yo, another one. That's that's a homie. Uh, absolutely hat-tricking and killing it. It's nice to see her in full performance back on the field again. Like, Samantha, oh, my goodness. Like, as a wing, she's just annihilating people annihilating people like that is a weapon that got really utilized and what emily bidwell has been doing for for this seven and and getting everybody like this is we're master classing like knocking for the women's side knocking out australia was was everything we'd seen it a little bit before but now now they this we're putting together an olympic team like this is a team that we've been wanting to see since 2016 right that we wanted to know that they're going to get us Olympic gold or silver. Amazing. I think they've been absolutely killing. Like, this is a roster. Though, we had a little bit of a change from the women's side. Uh, uh, Jazz Gray uh, was injured, uh, and Sarah Levy is being replaced for Sydney Sevens uh, coming up next weekend, this weekend. But for the women's side, we're slaying dragons. But, woo, this New Zealand team, like... Uh, it's woo. It, it, we know they're tough, but my goodness, like, do they ever run out? Like, do they run out of like amazing players? Shout out to uh, Woodman Hirini uh, 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 because uh, it's like she got married, and then her strength level just like increased. I don't know if you guys saw the play where she straight up like palmed a whole Irish woman player's face, but beating people like that. Oh my, like. <laughs> Michaela Blythe, like, like I don't even understand. How does it, New Zealand, how does this tiny freaking uh, uh, island keep generating these dumb, crazy, amazing athletes? And they were just cutting through us like it was Swiss cheese. But it's okay because, look, even Ash Ketchum had to fight the gym boss a couple times, Pokemon reference. And I feel like this is what we're going to do, the same thing for the women's side. And I have all the confidence that we're going to take them out. For the men, man, look. Dude, I look, Argentina, I remember seeing it from the Olympics 20, uh, 2020, 2021. But I, I understand Argentina has gotten like a couple young guys and they're running off of the juice of Messi winning uh, a World Cup for them and just like rolling off of it. But the men, oh, we that we this close to being number one because I'll be honest, I already know the men can compete with New Zealand. I know the men can compete with Argentina. I've never been less worried about us being able to get consecutive golds 
like I am now. Us taking out Fiji is a big deal, all right? Us being able to knock out some of these what were big dogs is a big deal. And the in vigor from Baker, Devon Stills. Yo, I need, I need USA Rugby to sit back and turn this man into the superstar that he is. What we did with Carlin Isles, well, we didn't do it. Red Bull did it. But what was done with Carlin Isles and what's being done, what was poorly and not fully done with Perry Baker needs to be done with Devon Stills. Like, this guy is an absolute beast of a star on the field. I don't know if he doesn't talk. I don't know if he doesn't do interviews. I don't know if he's an introvert who just likes to be a soldier. But F all that. You need to make this guy a star because every time that he's on the field, he is lightning to watch. He is absolutely lightning to watch. And I want us to do that because it makes it easier for us to keep following them wherever it is that they go. Like, I am high, Like I, I don't get this excited about USA Rugby because we always are like, eh, it's always like on the edge. But no, I am hype for our sevens teams. I am so excited to see what's going to happen next because we are absolutely murdering people. Don't get me wrong. I might not be excited all the time, but I'm always in support. Absolutely murdering. So shout out to this team, Hamilton Sevens, absolutely killing it on rugby mecca ground, all right? On absolutely rugby mecca ground, the way that it should be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man. Woo! Let's go. I can't wait to watch Sydney Sevens this weekend. Hey everybody, this is just the break train sitting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is a extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. Off to KL, Kuala Lumpur. Gift, where are we? We're in Fiji! Oh, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, set is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. So this next story, I, I, I particularly love. Again, you guys know me. You guys know me. I, I love me some good controversy. I love me some good, some good clashing. I want some cousins versus cousins battle, right? You know why I say cousins versus cousins? Because we're all family, and we all still love each other, but we're not about to let people one-up us. And I speak to this because this past weekend, I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at Great American Rugby, run by the, the man, the legend, uh, Lance Cavanaugh, and he put out a really interesting Statement and it was nice because this involved Mike Friday putting a little bit of a clash into it. I call this club nationals versus nationals, but he said, Yo, I'm putting together a team of the infinities, it's the infinities, they're the infinity gauntlet off of Thanos, you know, the Avengers, Infinity War, Endgame, infinities. And he put the best people that have played at the club national levels and had. Biggest ward. We're talking about guys like uh, Corey Jones. Uh, we're talking guys like Matthew Corey, DeMonte Noble, Freddie Ajudwa, just guys like that. Just putting them all together and, and competing them against the USA national team. And when I tell you, like, this guy heated on Instagram, I unfortunately, I did not take pictures of them. I'm going to have to ask Lance to see if I can get those, those photo shots, but... My goodness, my goodness, like this, it got like perfectly personal, but it was like beautifully 
also like real. So it was like guys who were strong rugby players and the domestic, they've performed at multiple levels and just were not have not been selected or uh were not yeah, were not selected for USA rugby national team for sevens or fifteens or whatever like that. And dudes, oh, this got personal. It got personal. You had people like Kayvon Williams and Brett Thompson, Ben Pinkelman, who were like, hey, hey, y'all, y'all don't work like us. Y'all don't do what we do. Y'all can't compete. You got other guys who took it, took it in, took in it personally, and they were just like, hey, yo, you don't know me. Y'all don't know me like that. Like, we, we be out here working. We're out here working. Like, it was it was something that I think is that should happen. Like there should be games that is not just the USA Falcons. Like I, I get USA Falcons play a lot, and that's always a good one. Like we've seen it whenever Seattle had the the USA uh, uh, side teams, and they basically Seattle before they were Seattle SeaWolves, but uh, Seattle's team was basically like the USA team. And, and look, in all reality, they they absolutely did dominate in a lot of uh, situations. But I think every once in a while you should have, like, a club nationals all-stars versus the USA national team. One, it's a great warm-up for the national team. Two, it's a great way to scout for future players. Three, it's another opportunity to be able to kind of see how we are as domestic and make iron sharpen iron. But, like, it was just – it was perfectly the right amount of personal that needed to be done. And I'm glad – uh, uh, Lance talked about it from the women's side, though I think it's a little bit more difficult from the women's side because I actually do think that we get some of the best of the best from our women's side on our national team, which is why we're able to dominate so well in so many places. Uh, but I would still love to concede the WPL All-Stars versus the USA national team, which I think we do get that from time to time. Um, or from the club national side, being able to take on the U.S. national team. Like, we can't get it with the NFL and college just because of the fact that it's such a huge difference in, in the teams and what they do. But, uh, but we can get it from the rugby side. And even if it becomes a one-sided game, at least we know. And at least you know more people are a part of it. And not all of it has to be pay-to-play to be able to go and, and compete. It's, it's your typical, we're going to go, we're going to go to the field, we're going to do this. And then from there, you provide new information, you bring it back into the rugby space. And you just, yo, you make it, make it better for everybody else and make sure that the league get even more elite, the people who are good become great, the people who are all right can become good, and the people who are whatever will stay because it's social rugby and they're not going to put that much work into it like that. But I would love, love, love to see this. I would love to freaking host and organize this event to make it happen into like a real freaking regular thing. Like I talk about the Shiver Cup. I still want the Shiver Cup to happen, but I do want uh, uh, the USA – all-Stars uh, uh, Conflict Cup. What is it? Now, I'm not going to say it's the Civil War. I don't want to call it the Civil War, but it kind of is. It's the USA Civil War Part 2 without the racism, hopefully. <laughs> like It's like I, I would love to say, but I was really happy that uh, one, shout out to Lance. Like That man is changing games within media, you know, and, and, and doing doing things to promote players in a real, real way that I think it's not done very often or really at all. And creating the right controversies to get all the big players involved. This is something that needs to get funded. This is something that needs to get funded. It would be a great promotion. It would be an amazing way to be able to raise money even for like the women's side. And it would be a great thing that sponsors could build because it changes what we think about as rugby uh, in terms of where we stand within these spaces. That is all that's needed to be in. So I think it's something that you guys need to take a look at. I wanted to just keep you informed on what's going on. But, oh, my goodness. I, I love it. This was, this was a game changer. Not a game changer. Let me not go crazy. But this was entertaining as I don't know what. This is what, this is what I want from my, my media talking heads. And I guess I need to include myself in that. But is that kind of controversy? Like, let's let's get the U.S. Civil War going. The U.S. Rugby Civil War. Yeah, the Civil Rugby War. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll work the name out. But I, I love this. I love this. What do you guys think? I want to know, like, again, I, I want to know from your guys' position, like, do you think that the club nationals and some of the best that have played in club national that are not part of the USA rugby uh, national team could be able to compete with our national team? I want to hear from you. So, you know, we always have to do a few rugby marketing tips, rugby, bring some rugby business into this. And one thing that I really liked, and this was really the, the slate for this week, was about when you guys are creating your next big rugby match, your next big rugby organization, uh, uh, a tournament, whatever it is that you need. Everybody always talks the same thing. Hey, where do we find resources? And most typically resources always seem to come from either sponsors that we have connections with inherently or from the players who are going to be participating, which is why we have the problem of pay-to-play. It affects the way that our rugby is able to grow in the U.S., and it makes it very difficult for us to bring in new talent um, and and be able to expand. We should expand for pay-to-play for elite, but not for base talent, in my opinion. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. My thing to talk about is how you should organize your competitions, how you should organize your um, the way you present your rugby. And one thing I say is you need to learn how to create culture and not games. All right? What does that mean? <laughs> As I said, I'm talking about trying to create tournaments and games. It's You need to create culture, not games. In the lessons that I've learned doing this HBC Rugby Classic and finding sponsors, the thing that's made the sponsors most peaked and interested about um, what we have going on is the fact that it's something that shifts culture. Now, we can't say everything can shift culture, but I'm going to tell you, actually, that's a lie. E- everything can shift culture, but you have to be able to present it. A lot of times we'll have tournaments and showcases, and they'll have names, and we'll just talk about how we're having the most rugby Teams ever playing together, blah, 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 blah. And honestly, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Because ultimately, you're just repeating what you've already done. You just added more people into that same fold. The same goes for whenever you do social tournaments. With social tournaments, at least there's a play there is um, uh, a thematic uh, jolliness that goes along with it. But ultimately, in the end, it doesn't necessarily make it uh, sponsor-friendly. And it doesn't make it something that people will necessarily invest in unless it is incredibly unique. Incredibly unique. And you don't have to get that complicated. But when you're making something, you want it to affect culture. So uh, an example, uh, not in rugby, but something like uh, the Bayou Classic. The Bayou Classic is an HBCU uh, football event that's uh, basically North Louisiana versus South Louisiana. The reason why this has gone on outside of the generational rivalry that occurred between Southern University and Grambling University, the event has grown into being an actual uh, uh, cultural uh, gathering of people. So the game is the top of the is is the main event. Obviously, it's your header, but it is the bands, it is the meet and greets, it's the parties that go on around it. What they did instead was say, we're going to create an event where we have the highest level of social interaction within the most diverse group of people within our um, our base, and we can bring the most people from outside of necessarily our audience group. Like, it's not just Southern people and Grambling people. You get people that are coming from Alabama, people that are coming from D.C., people that are coming from uh, other countries coming to attend this event because you have layers of cultural inclement... You have layers of cultural uh, inclinations that exist where people can insert themselves in and learn and something more than just the game itself so whenever you're making your tournament you can continue to go the easy way and say hey we're just going to do another tournament we're going to bring a whole bunch of teams they're going to play and compete together and hopefully we raise money for our organization and then go on our way 
Or you can actually do some research on your area, learn more about how do you insert elements that change the way that people not just view your club or view rugby, but view the environment as a whole uh, and how rugby inserts itself into the change of that whole environment. That's how you make your rugby event, your organization, your team, your own self into a cultural hub. And that's a value that people will change. And the rugby enjoyment, the diversity, the growth will come along with it. But if you're simply just going off of the fact that you're trying to create another game, you're trying to be another match, uh, you're trying to just have a bunch of people be able to compete each other and just kind of keep it within the same circle, while there's nothing wrong with that, don't expect to get a whole lot of extended support with it. Like you need, like just, you can't expect it. You can't be a charity case while also not shifting anything. You know, so I want us for this week to remember, create culture, not just a game. This is the rugby business. Of course, if you guys want to know more, definitely go check out GiftTimeMedia.com. I know I still haven't put up the stuff, but they're coming. Uh, Go ahead and sign up for the mailing list while you're at it so that you know that the moment that we start pushing them out, it's going to be right there ready for you, and you're going to be able to remember these things. We're out here to be able to grow, develop, and increase the game, but we don't do it by doing the same things all the time. Don't forget, like and subscribe. Yo, I want to talk to you about the company Green Geeks, one of our sponsors for this show. And uh, let me tell you, uh, I am a huge fan of Green Geeks. I built all my website platforms off of Green Geeks. And what is Green Geeks? It's one of the best hosting servers in the world, easily. It's eco-friendly. It's cost-effective. It is consistent and it just gives you access to everything a lot of people go to things like squarespace or wix to be able to do their hosting utilize maybe even GoDaddy hosting but all of them are always limited i've looked at the pricing of them and i don't feel like they give you the same flexibility that green geeks has actually personally given to me with Green Geeks, it uses the platform WordPress, which is a standard website development platform. And in this era, where we need to absolutely not be reliant solely on social media to be able to hold our information, we know the algorithms change all the time. But it also is important that we have a destination that is our own home to go to. But even with Green Geeks, they not only help you with being able to build up the website, give you a process to get with the website. You can make as many emails as you want. You can become far more search engine optimized. Um, and you are able to create things from econ stores to just information to whatever you need to under the WordPress. And you get it almost as a WordPress premium and not just a basic WordPress plan. So you have access to thousands of templates and thousands of plugins to be able to make sure that you have the best website to be able to promote for what you need to do. And the best way that you can get for your first time, first year at $2.95 per month to have all of that. All you need to do is go to our link greengeeks.com slash track slash gift time and you will get basically 80% off your first year of hosting on the website on the server if you have not been able to create a website or the consistency or be able to develop maybe even work as other businesses whether it's an agency whether it's for uh, other industries just utilize Green Geeks. They'll help you. And their customer service is bar none. They've helped me so many times in issues that I've had with the website. Things that didn't go through, they helped walk me through it perfectly. And I, I have nothing to complain. Definitely check out greengeeks.com slash track slash gift time. Or hit the link in the description and start your first steps or your second steps into getting control on your own website and your own information and not being a slave to the tech companies like Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all that. Own your home. Get it today. And the last thing that I have for you today, 
our rugby movie review for today is going to be the movie Everybody's Game. Rugby can be that vehicle to change a lot of people's lives, I think, and not a lot of people are exposed to it. Yeah, I just felt a part of something, and it was the first time I, I really had that feeling. Rugby has a special place in my heart, and it's changed the course of my life. I just feel more people should have that chance. Now, I have to say, with this documentary, this one, the music, by far, is the best music I've seen from any rugby production ever. Any rugby production. I just got to kick it off. I rewatched this documentary simply at minimum because of the uh, music that it had. But Everybody's Game is a 2020 documentary directed and produced by Bath Rugby player Ben Obanu, who's also featured within this documentary, talking about basically what it is to be black in rugby. And for me, this movie hit on multiple levels because this is probably one of the first rugby anythings that I've ever been able to watch that involved three Nigerians who play rugby, four Nigerians who play rugby. And honestly, when you talk about basing that culture of Nigerians into it, like we seem to have a very, very similar across the board culture uh, uh, in a lot of ways. So it's kind of dope to be able to experience but this one, I think the best way to be able to summate this whole documentary, this whole movie, is basically rugby. Yo, you got to stop being so conforming. Like, you got to let personalities come through. And I think that, honestly, is one of the realest statements. This documentary focuses around uh, Beno Obanu, uh, Maro Toji, and Bia Alu, who are... Professional rugby players, Maro Otoji, probably the most famous of the bunch, played for in England, the British-Irish Lions. Uh, Beno Obanu, as I said, played for Bath. And Bia Alu plays for Wasp. Great players. What a great set of documentaries, uh, characters to be able to utilize. We also include uh, Ellis Genji, who plays for Leicester Tigers in England. And he brings another edge, like, to it. And I'm not going to lie, as an American black person, there's just elements to British black people that I, I don't fully connect with in a lot of ways. We got, there's, obviously, there's similarities that can happen in loose sense, but this was kind of an interesting look from another side of it. Um, one of the parts... That that really kind of stuck out to me. And this one has nothing so much to do with being black on, on either side, but was basically the marker of rugby in England, which of all the places that you would think that rugby is widely spread, you would think it'd be England. But just like I learned from No Woman, No Try, in this one, yo, not everybody in England knows that there are professional rugby players. Like, this is a weirdly odd problem to me. Like, Ellis Genji talked about that in his neighborhood growing up. And this dude is not very old. He's mid-20s. So he's well within the time period where rugby has been long professionalized. Premiership has long been in existence. But this guy lived in a neighborhood where they didn't know that there was professional rugby. Like... I would think that rugby, I've known for a long time that rugby is not a top three sport in almost any country, sans New Zealand. But for the RFU to not be able to promote well that you got professionally paid rugby players, even from the men's side, is wild to me. On top of that, to know that a lot of these guys started playing rugby when they were 11, 12, 13 years old. And I keep hearing constantly about the fact that people need to start getting rugby whenever they're five, six years old to be able to play. Like, it, it, it hits mythos that really started to, like, annoy me in terms of, like, the, the need of where people start. Like, yeah, you can start this game early and still be able to be proficient. Or you can start this game a little later and still be able to be proficient. Or you might not even know about the game and then come in later and be proficient. 
and and do well and and it's being proven within this this documentary and with all these guys it, it all kind of played into the factor of like yo rugby is great. Like, these are passionate guys about rugby. Uh, you know, Ben Obanu made a whole documentary about this, obviously. You know, uh, B.A.L.O. Uh, is, is a guy who had been playing since he was a kid uh, and happened to go to it and has a f- deep love for it. He doesn't have a dad. He doesn't have brothers. And so the game became its own surrogate family for him. Mara Toji has seen success. His cousin is Ben, ben o, uh, Obanu. And so they practiced together and they had the travels and, and battled is the wrong word, but they, they, they conflicted with what would be traditional Nigerian expectations of kids to be able to play rugby. So these guys are passionate about it, but to constantly get heard and this is something that is consistent across the rugby world that you have to fit into a certain mold of rugby and we need to be breaking out of it is is so hard pressed like Ben Obanu said it perfectly like one of the th- th- my favorite things he said the perception of rugby isn't is that it's considered elitist it's not a racial thing it's not even a money thing it's just a perception thing i'm paraphrasing but that was the realest statement that could be said because he was like, yo, rugby doesn't cost any more than soccer football. He said football, but, you know, I'm, I boycott the term football for soccer. Soccer. Uh, soccer is no more costly than rugby. Rugby is no more costly than soccer. But the perception is that it is an elitist sport. And then uh, Ellis Genji even pushes, he's like, yo, it's a posh sport. My people in my neighborhood were like, yo, this is a posh sport. Why would you go play it? Until he started playing it and doing well, and he's like, yo, I know posh people in the sport, but they're not necessarily bad. It's just you got to allow personality. Uh, they even had an example. Uh, another person, Anthony Watson, who plays for Bath in England, talks about how Genji was talking after a Six Nations match and was drinking a beer and was just talking to the reporter like he would talk to anybody else. And he got lambasted for it. Now, I think part of that is England. Um, but it's like you need to stick to a format. And, and they're basically like, no, you, you don't need to be this specific kind of person because it makes cultural blocks. Which has been a ripple effect in rugby constantly. So I love that it was being presented. And it really wasn't a black-white thing. It's just using black culture, black British culture as the uh, um, standard ground for what to expect in this, this contrast. And speaking back to what I was saying about not being heard, it would blow my mind to know that there's people in the U.S. that didn't know about uh, football, uh, didn't know about basketball, number two sport, didn't know about hockey, and didn't know about baseball. Like, these are four, the top four sports. Rugby is a top four sport. I've known since I was a kid in all four of these sports that professionalism existed. In fact, I don't know a world where they've never been professional in some way, shape, or form. To know that there is a world, that there's a whole section of kids in the UK alone that don't know about rugby or don't know about professional rugby is wild to me. Men or women, that is wild. What is happening? Oh, my goodness. So this, this, this documentary touched in a real way. Um, you know, but overall, this is just a consistent breakdown of how much rugby needs to allow personality and culture, various cultures, to be able to enter and break through the sport. And I think it's happening more today than ever. When this movie came out, it was 2020. So they clearly filmed this around early 2020, late 2019, right before the pandemic, before everything really crashed together. So for this to be able to come out then, and then now we are in 2023, while there's still a lot of work to need to be done, I have to say easily, 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 like the forcing requirement of more uh, recognition of personality and various cultures within rugby culture itself being able to be presented, it stuck out. It's like it's mandatory. Like everybody's talking about it. One thing that I disagree with that I think B.A.L. Lowe said was that 
the UK should be the leader for diversity and and in uh, 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 cultural variation within rugby. And I was like, oh heck no, that should be the US day in day out. Like we not not be the greatest in international rugby yet, but I'll be damned if we're not gonna win the culture game of rugby of all the places gonna win. The but, I mean, that's neither here nor there. You know, I just like to have my little rivalries, you know, against U.K. and Canada and the city of Atlanta. Just just my rivalries there. This is what feeds my competitive edge on and off the field. But, overall, I genuinely love this documentary. Benno Banu has a real second career as a director, at least for documentaries, and I hope that he makes more stuff. I would love to be able to work with him on producing some stuff and, and, and making something happen. Definitely going to get an interview with him and all these cats, like Genji for sure. I definitely want BLO. Maro Toji is a little harder to get, but I'm going to get there one of these days soon. But Benno Banu definitely want to be able to talk to. It, it was a very... Uh, relaxed. It was very down to earth. Like, again, the music was absolutely dope. I give this documentary, uh, actually, another a seven point five, seven point eight out of ten for this one. Uh, the music alone just took it over the top. The only reason I don't give them eight and nines and tens, I don't think they gave me that much information uh, that was new. Um, I, I don't feel like I learned significantly more about the vulnerabilities of the players, um, but I think I learned a lot about them to be able to guide the story. So definitely above average. Uh, but I, I, I genuinely recommend this documentary to people. You can find this documentary on Amazon Prime. It's very short, 53 minutes. Until next time, yo, I hope you guys enjoyed this review of everybody's game and y'all i want to thank y'all so much for taking the time to listen to this uh we really appreciate you i really appreciate everybody who's comments and talks and um builds up on it and please continue to share this with friends and family we have some great interviews in the past uh with cheddar ember we have it with uh, Mark Diaz, we have uh, Michael Toussaint with Preview A and M. Um, we have Blaine Scully of USA Rugby. Some great names, great people, great uh, conversations to be had. Farrah Douglas from Mount St. Mary's Rugby, that should be done. But you guys continue to be support, continue to grow the game. But most importantly, I hope that you're happy. I hope that you're healthy, and of course, please never forget that you are highly favored. Until next time, cheers. Tomorrow, the sun will come out tomorrow. Love shouting back.